Evening, everyone. For those of you that don't know me, my name's Philip. Good evening to you if you're watching online. Good evening to you, especially if this is your first time or if you're fairly new to us as a community. Chaz, she was great. She was so good. She actually gave me three times more um, material than I could use. And also, if you notice the doorbell in our house going off in the middle of her interview, and she just like a pro, she just carried on. The ironic thing is it was actually an Amazon delivery. Talking about giving, talking about materialism, talking about possessions, it was Amazon just pushing more stuff through our letterbox. But we are talking about giving. We're talking about finance. We're talking about money tonight. If, you've, uh, if you're old enough, you'll recognize one of these things. This is what's called cash. Um, before you used your phone, you used to use this piece of paper and you would exchange it for goods and services. And money is kind of like a big, big deal in our world and it's a big, big deal in our culture. But this whole series about disciplines, it rests on this framework that believing something doesn't make a difference. It doesn't change the world. Believing something doesn't change the world. People believe all kinds of things. People have their own private belief. And even Christians, we kid ourselves If we think that just believing something, believing in Jesus, it's great, it's good, it's powerful, it's necessary. But in and of itself, it doesn't change the world because it doesn't change us. Believing something doesn't change the world. Practicing something does. When we practice something, it changes us because disciplines develop disciples. It's what you do and what you repeatedly do, what you practice That is what actually changes you as an individual. It changes you from the ground up. The more that I practice something, the more that it changes me. And when I'm changed, I change the world. I change from being a person that's just doing my own thing and living my own life into someone who's like Jesus, who is a disciple, who's following what Jesus is all about. And so we're looking at certain key disciplines that make the difference in our lives, that make the kind of defining difference in who we are and how we behave and how we do our lives. And so we started off with um, basically what Jesus has talked about. So if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about practices, practices that you do as a habit, practices that you do again and again and again, practices that you grow in, practices that you develop in. And so Matthew chapter six, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, this is how you grow as a disciple. He says, when you pray. When you pray, you do it to your father. It's a relational thing. But he didn't just say prayer, that's it. All you need to be a good Christian is to pray to God, talk to God. But he says, when you fast. So important. Because when you fast, it's not just my mind or my spirit or my emotions or my drives and my desires. It's my physical body. And if you missed that session on fasting, we did it a couple of weeks ago, go check that out. Um, look at it again. Because it's basically saying that there's a way to relate to God, which we do through our physical bodies. God has made us um, physical as well as emotional and mental and spiritual. So when you relate to God, you relate to God through prayer and practicing that habit. You get better at it. It develops in you. And then you practice fasting. So we've already had a thing happening in Metro where people are gathering every Thursday morning, 7.30, in Society Cafe. Started with Alan, and then Lex, and then Pete. Pete. (laughs) And then before you know it, like Pete's uh, 
interview last week, more people come so that now if everyone comes, the whole cafe will be full. So we've had to start in a new cafe, Society Cafe. Uh, not Society Cafe, that's where we started. We've gone to Baker's. Yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> Bakesmiths, Baker's Smiths, Bakesmiths in uh, Clifton. And so this thing is happening. But we're also doing these fasting Thursdays. I'm going to put my hand up. I'm going to share my shame. I forgot to fast this Thursday. Because it is a practice and I am practicing and I am failing. But that's okay. Because as I repeatedly do, it begins to become part of my routine. And as it becomes part of my routine, it changes me. And that's, you know, I put my hand up. But listen, we will all fail and we will all succeed at different times with prayer, with fasting. But then Jesus adds this really unexpected one. He says, when you pray, when you fast, but also when you give. And you say, well, wait, what? Hang on. I relate to God through finance. Surely money and God are two separate things. You know, money is just... The world stuff, that's, that's practical, everyday life. God is like spiritual and holy and heaven and all those kinds of things. Actually, Jesus says, you use your money and you use your giving in order to relate to God. In fact, he didn't put it when you pray, when you fast, when you give. He put it in a different order. He says, when you give, first of all, and then when you pray, and then when you fast. In fact, he goes to explain, when you pray, you do it like this, you do it to your father. When you, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. And then he cycles back on giving and he says, this is why you give. And he devotes the rest of that chapter to explaining why we give. Why is money so important? Why is it such a key? Why did Jesus put money, the first thing that he talks about when he talks about people developing spiritual disciplines? I'm going to be honest with you. I would never put giving as number one in a series on disciplines that make a difference. We put a number three because we're like, yeah, we need to do what people are expecting first. We'll, we'll do fasting, we'll do prayer. But when it comes to giving, we're talking finance, we're talking money. Ooh, that is, that's touchy. If you're not a Christian here, maybe you're already beginning to think, ah, oh, yeah, okay, this is, this is kind of Jesus people. They're all about getting your money. They need to just rinse you dry, guilt trip you into giving because they've got their hidden agenda and uh, they need their money. And, you know, the church doesn't always have a great reputation when it comes to money and finance and giving. Or you might be thinking as a Christian, yeah, well, I'm not sure about giving because it's such a, it's such a personal thing for people. And it's hard for us to talk about these things. And when I talk, particularly when I talk, I get carried away. I get into things and I put things strongly. But I do think that it's important to talk about money because actually Jesus talked about money. Jesus talked about money more than anything else in his ministry. He talked about it more than prayer because there's something fundamental about money, which literally you put your money where your mouth is. That money is such a big deal for us. We dream about money. We think about money. We desire money. We worry about money. It's such a huge part of our lives. And Jesus says, actually, there's a practice that you can do with money. And you need to understand why I talk about money. And so Later on in this chapter, when he says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, he says, this is why you give. And Matthew chapter 6, 24, even if you're not a Christian here, even if you're not used to church, you might have heard this expression before. Jesus said, this is why it's a big deal. This is why we talk about it. He says this, 
No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Weird. I mean, it's, it's odd. Because you'd think that when Jesus was contrasting two things that you serve, you'd think that Jesus would say, you can't serve God and the devil. Or you can't serve God and selfishness. Or you can't serve God and sin. But he says, no, the biggest competitor to God's um, devotion in our lives is money. It's materialism. It's possessions and wealth and how we feel about finance. And if we can get that under control, it will impact our relationship with God. Because either you're going to end up working and serving the master of materialism. You're going to make decisions based on that. Or you're going to be motivated by that. Or you're going to be oppressed by that. You're going to worry about money. You're going to be uh, concerned that you don't have enough or that you're not going to be able to cope. You're going to be crushed by that. Money is the number one reason why marriages break up. Did you know that? It's bigger than adultery and it's bigger than all kinds of irreconcilable differences. It's actually money worries. It breaks apart more relationships than anything else because money is so fundamental to how we feel about our kind of confidence in doing life. And Jesus says money is such a big deal. You can end up being a slave, end up just serving it, end up being just cowed under the thumb of money or you can serve God. So why do we give? We give, we practice the discipline, the repeated habit of generosity and giving. We do that because we want to truly serve God and not money. Chaz, she put it so well when she said, either you put money above God or you put God above money. And that's what Jesus says. Put God above money. Learn to practice this discipline of giving. And like prayer and like fasting, doesn't come naturally unless you're some kind of weird supernatural Christian genius. For most of us, it's a struggle. It's a challenge. It is hard, which is why it's a discipline that we practice. And the more that we practice, the better that we become at it. And the more we develop and become more like Jesus. And so he talks about this reason for giving and the reason for being generous and the reason for using our finance for the kingdom of God. And actually, a couple of verses back before that, he delves into it in more detail and just opens the whole thing up. And essentially, what we've got is we've got two parts of our anatomy that are involved in this whole giving thing. So Jesus said, again, another really famous saying. He said this two verses earlier in chapter six. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in. And steal. When Jesus is talking, he's speaking in a different language at a different time. And he literally says, the words he uses, it's like he says, don't treasure your treasures. Don't hoard them. Don't store them up. Don't invest all your capital in earthly things. Why? Because 
it doesn't last because things break down, because they need replacing, because they go out of fashion, because they wear out, because suddenly you, you have all this stuff and then you turn around one day and you think, I don't need half this stuff or it's broken or it's gone wrong. And yet I've spent so much of my life hoarding it, gathering it, working for it, trying to store it up, treasuring my treasures. Jesus says, you know, money, it's like an investment and you need to invest not just in the things of this world, what you can touch, taste, and see. But invest it in something great. He says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Everyone read that last verse with me. For where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. What Jesus is saying is this. If you feel powerfully about something, then you'll want to put your money in that. And we know that that's true. When you have a passion for something, when your heart is in something, your treasure goes there. So if you fall in love with someone, you want to lavish them with gifts. You want to take them out for a great date. You want to put your money where your mouth is. Apart from, that's not what Jesus said. So much of my life as a Christian, I've thought that Jesus says, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Because that makes sense. And it is actually true. But that's not what Jesus said. What Jesus said is absolute genius. It's absolutely so powerful. And you get your head around this, it will change everything. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Thank you. Graphics, production value. Thank you, Johnny. Where your treasure is, your heart follows. How many of you here, uh, say you're a Christian. This is, again, if you're not a believer here, this whole thing on, on giving, you can just enjoy this one guilt-free because you don't have to do any of this stuff. This is for the people that are wanting to be disciples of Jesus. So if you're not a believer, if you're thinking about faith, I'm not after your money. This is not for you. You can just sit back and see the Christian next to you sweat. But if you are a believer, sometimes we say, you know, I just, I'm not very, I'm not very spiritual. I, I look at other people and they seem to love Jesus so much more than me. Me, I'm just like a regular Christian. But Jesus says, listen, there's a way to supercharge your heart. You can actually give and put your treasure somewhere and then your heart will follow. So the first thing with money is that it's all about our heart. It's about supercharging your passion. It's a way to hack your emotions. You don't say, I'm not a very good Christian, and therefore that's just the way that I am. You say, actually, I want to grow in my discipleship of Jesus. I want to become closer to him. I want to be more devoted to my father. How do I do that? I invest my treasure in God's kingdom, in what God is about on planet Earth. I give what I have to serve what God is doing. And as a result of putting my treasure in something, my heart follows. It's basically the poker principle. We have Isabel here tonight, our youngest daughter. Everyone say hi, Isabel. Hi, Isabel. Isabel, say hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Thank you. Um, when we had lockdown, we did this thing as a family. 
where Isabel and her older sister Zoe, they came back from university and they were locked down with us. So we we're all in family, all together. And I can't remember whose suggestion it was. I think it was Kate's because she's a bit of a shark. But she said, why don't we all play poker? Shark, yes. Maybe a poor choice of words, like a card shark. You know, like a... Anyway, I'm, it probably wasn't Kate. It was probably me. I'm the shark. But anyway, one of us said, let's do family poker night. And so we, we learned the rules and we had some chips and we got all that sort of the cards. And on the kitchen table, we start playing. And it's kind of fun, but there's something missing. And then Kate, the shark, she says, why don't we make it interesting? <laughs> why don't we put a little bit of money in the pot? And so we all throw in. We're talking like pennies. But it suddenly, when money comes in, oh my goodness, now the game gets intense. Now I'm invested in it. Because where my treasure is, then my heart will be also. It's like a time that um, Kate and I went to the races to see some, well, it's just like a corporate thing. We got invited to it. Um, it was her brother-in-law organizing this thing. And, you know, we're watching the jockeys going round, and it's all very well and good. And then someone says, why don't you put some money on a horse? And I'm like, I'm a Christian minister. I don't put money on horses. Said, well, surely it can't be that much of a sin just to put a pound down. Okay, I'll put a pound down. You would not believe the transformation. I'm like, go on, my son. Get in there. Because when I've got money on the line, now I'm invested. Now my heart is in it. And you could either say, well, I'm not really a horse person. I don't really like people going around courses on horses. But the moment that you put your money down on it, now I'm very invested. Oh, yeah, it's got great form. And I'm, I'm kind of taking little tips from people and getting more and more into it. I lost all my money. But uh, when you put money into it, suddenly your heart is engaged. You supercharge your passion. And Jesus said it's the same with giving. The reason that we give... It's not that God wants your money. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And the way to get a person's heart into something is to put their treasure in. So Jesus says, when you put your money somewhere, then your heart follows. So for the person that says, yeah, I, I don't feel like I love Jesus as much as other people that I see. Or I don't feel like I'm a very kind of passionate disciple. I, I'm just kind of where I'm at. And that's just maybe how I am, am built. But Jesus said, actually, the more that you get into this art and discipline of giving, the more that your finances will direct your heart. They'll supercharge your passion. And as I'm investing what I have into the kingdom of God, as I'm giving to church, as I'm giving to God's stuff, God's work, um, as Chaz was talking about, suddenly it draws me in. It's a, an amazing thing, but it happens in every sphere of life. And then it is a virtual circle because actually where your heart is, there your treasure is. But when your treasure is in something, then your heart goes after it. And the things reinforce each other. I put my treasure in something and then my heart gets involved. Now my heart's involved. I want to give more of my treasure. And the more that I am able to give, the more I'm able to grow in my heart and my passion for Jesus. But then he goes on and it's really, really interesting. Because actually Jesus continues talking about why we give. And he does this verse. And for most of my Christian life, I've never understood this. In fact, honestly, I was just going to 
drop this from the whole preach. I was just going to go from verse 20 straight to verse 24 and miss out the bit in the middle because I didn't understand it and it didn't seem to make sense. See if you see if it makes sense. This is what Jesus says. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And when I first read that and I was preparing this message, I thought, I, I just don't understand. Because the very next thing that he says is, you can't serve two masters. Either you serve God or you serve money. I'm like, why did we have this kind of weird little diversion about eyes and light? What's that all about? But when you do a little bit of digging, and again, Jesus is speaking in a first century context. He's using figures of speech. He's using idioms and local expressions. And he's keying into the kind of the Jewish mindset. And you have to do a little bit of digging to find out something of the kind of the color that Jesus is using when he speaks. Because that word healthy, the eye, uh, if your eyes are healthy... The word healthy is like we use the word healthy in terms of a healthy appetite or a healthy um, portion. It means generous. It has the implication. This word is the same word that's used of generosity. And literally, Jesus is saying, if your eyes are generous, your body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, again, the word that Jesus uses is literally if your eye is evil. And it was a, an expression that the Jews used to talk about someone that was, that it was like your perspective on life, your, your, the way that you view your wealth. It, it's, it's like an evil eye. They use the term evil eye. If you want to um, see this for yourselves, just look in the book of Proverbs. Type in eye on evil eye, particularly in the King James Version. You get a whole bunch of them. My favorite one is Proverbs chapter 23. It says this. Do not eat the bread of him who has an evil eye. Everyone say evil eye. Evil Neither desire his delicacies, for he is the king, the, the king. He is the kind of person who is always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the little you have eaten and will have wasted your compliments. Oh, this one really hits hard. Because last night we went out for a meal. Isabel's come back. Zoe was back last night as well, very briefly. And so the four of us gathering together for Kate's birthday. Happy birthday, gorgeous. You're not a shark. And uh, yeah, round of applause for Kate. So um, we went out for a meal. And I'm, I'm like the big daddy. And I'm going to just pay for everybody. Johnny, leave me alone. I can't help what comes out of my mouth. And so I want to pay for everybody, but I have this problem with my eye because Isabel's looking at the menu and we're in this kind of nice, posh restaurant. Not too bad, but I'm looking at all the things and I'm like, hey, girls, eat what you like. Be happy. But inside I'm thinking, don't pick the lamb. Don't pick the lamb because it's like an extra four pounds. And... Um, one of the girls said, I think I'd like the lamb. And I'm like, are you sure that's okay with your intolerances? Um, I think it's got dairy in the mash. She said, yeah, I can take a little bit of mash. Do you really want to take that choice? And because I have this kind of struggle with money, well, that's what the proverb is all about. 
The proverb is about, listen, you carry on like this and your whole family will be vomiting up this meal that you've paid for because you did it with a stingy, evil eye. It's about how we view things. And so Jesus says, it's not just your heart which is affected by giving. It's your eyes. It's your eyes because it's about putting the vision into provision. When you think about the provision that you have, you can have a good, healthy, generous eye, a perspective which we sometimes call an abundance mentality, or you can have an evil eye, which is restrictive and which is stingy and which is mean and basically never sees that you have enough. Your provision is always less than it should be. And Jesus says, when you give, you actually open your eyes wider. There's something about the practice of being generous, the practice of giving into God's kingdom that opens your eyes wide. Why is this important? Well, Jesus says, actually, the way that you view things, the perspective that you have, your ability to trust God with provision, your ability to believe that he is an abundant God who wants to bless you, that will impact how much light comes into you. It's an amazing thing. But Jesus wants us to live lives that are full of light. Because money can be such, it can have such a kind of impact on us that it, it poisons our eyes and makes us have that evil eye that just doesn't see the expansive generosity of God's provision and his ability to give us our daily bread that we always want more and more and more. There was a survey done by the Spectrum Group, um, which is this kind of wealth management group coming out of Illinois in America. And they surveyed millionaires and also what they called high net worth individuals. So these guys had five to $25 million uh, in the bank, disposable income. And they said, what do you worry about? I mean, you've got everything. You have won the lottery, maybe literally. What do you worry about? And around about 48% of millionaires, and then 20% of the ultra high net worth individuals say, the thing I worry about is not having enough money, which is crazy. The very people that have more money than most of us can even dream about, so many of them, a high proportion, it was one of the highest worries that came up out of the whole survey, a high proportion, they have that eye, that vision that says, I don't have enough. I'm worried about the future. Specifically, they were worried that they wouldn't have enough money to retire on. And so what happened? They became slaves to money. And this survey, this re report, talks about how millionaires are particularly kind of, that they're very often workaholics that are just, they're shackled to their jobs and to achieving and to attaining more and more and more. And Jesus says, that's like an evil eye. And it makes your body full of darkness. What kind of darkness? It's a darkness of worry. I'm worried. I'm anxious. I am uh, uh, just uncertain about my ability to survive and to stay in this kind of state of living that I've got used to because my identity is now bound up in the money that I have. And, and it's, it's a dark place. You give money half a chance. And it will get its grip on you. In fact, the more money you have, the harder it is to break free of its grip. 
The more money you have, instead of worrying less, you end up worrying more. Because it's about how you see things. It's about your vision. It's about your, your perspective. Either you have an abundance mentality or you have a scarcity mentality. And there are people that have very, very little money, but their eyes are big and wide and their bodies are full of light. And money doesn't have the hold on them that it does on so many other people. So Jesus says, I'm going to talk about giving and I'm going to continue talking about giving and I'm going to explain about giving. It's not like the church needs your money. Therefore, everyone's got to kind of cough up and let's pass the cup round and let's put in because we've got bills to pay and we've got people to employ. No, it's, it's not that at all. Giving to God and giving to church is a privilege. It's God saying, listen, I want you to pray to me. And have a relationship with me. I want you to fast. And have a relationship with me. And I want you to give. Because actually as you give your money. You release yourself from its pernicious grip. And you get to find out that I am more than capable. Of supplying to you every need that you have. We talk about money as a church. Maybe two. Maybe three times a year. We don't do it all the time. Because like we say. We don't want this to be you know, a, a kind of condemning thing. But it's similar to when we talk about prayer. We don't talk about every week, but we know that it's a practice and it's a discipline that we want everyone to be growing in. And so we will talk about it from time to time. But one of the things for me with giving is that uh, I was saying this to someone after the, the morning service. Uh, giving and money is the area that I've struggled with most of all in my Christian life. You know, I, I've, I'm fairly confident in trusting God and believing God for most things. But for decades, finance has been the kind of the, the, the Achilles heel. It's been the one that has caught me and snared me and tripped me up more than anything else. And I would say it wasn't until about, I don't know, fairly recently, um, 10, 15 years ago, that Finally, I began to really have some breakthroughs. And one of the things that really powered my breakthrough was just growing in the grace of giving. And I discovered that no matter how much I gave to God, it was almost like he would just pour it back into my lap through other means or sometimes directly. And after a while, you begin to get the idea. My father loves me. My father cares for me. Jesus is able to care for my needs. I've got this money. Again, what Chaz said, or her dad, who's like this amazing guy. I want to meet your dad. That it's God's money in our bank accounts. And it is a little bit like your father giving you a little money so that you can put it in the offering and just kind of pretend that you're the big person. But actually, it's all from God. And I have over and over again given. And I felt like at times I've given so generously. I feel like, look at me. And then poof. God just blesses me so much more that I can't boast and I, I can't feel like I've done a great thing. But it's a discipline. It's a practice. It's a habit. Jesus says, when you give, that's a present active imperative. It's something that is an ongoing thing. It's something that we grow in. If you're here and you don't give at all to church, that's fine. That's okay. If you're here and you don't have a lot of money to give, maybe you're a student and you say, well, I don't have much finances. Um, that's okay. But all we do is we each grow individually in this grace of giving. It's a practice. It's a habit. And it becomes part, part of our spiritual disciplines, the way that we relate 
to our Father and the way that we experience him. Because as I give, I experience his goodness. And so Jesus says, look, giving is really important because it opens your heart. It supercharges your passion. You want to feel more invested in church. You want to feel closer to God. Start putting your money where your mouth is because then you've got skin in the game. And your heart just naturally will grow bigger around it. But also it's about your eyes. And the more that you give and the more you see that God supplies your need and that God takes care of you, the more you're able to have Eyes that are full of light. And whether you've got a little or whether you've got a lot, you're cool. You're good because you believe and trust God has got it for you. So in a moment, what I'd like us to do is I'd like us to just do our individual prayers. But let me just give you a quick roundup of the kind of thing that we talk about when we talk about giving within church. If you want to know more or look, we've got woodlandsmetro.com giving. You go on that website and it will give you a way to either increase or start giving regularly to church. But we say there's three keys to it. And if you want more information on this, just get someone to mentor you and uh, go through these sessions and work it out as part of your discipleship journey. First of all, it's got to be personal. So it's up to you. And some of us, you know, if you're a student, you don't have very much, you can only give a little amount. If you've got a great job, And if you've got more uh, income, then you can give more. The important thing is that it's your personal thing because it's all about your relationship with God. It's not like the church. I'm not here. We don't like saying, oh, the church needs money because God always supplies it. He always supplies it. But we're just saying you as an individual in your relationship with Jesus, this is up to you to decide and to hear his voice about. Secondly, we want it to be um, proportional. So if you have more, you can give a greater percentage. We'll sometimes talk about tithing, which was the kind of the old biblical practice of giving a tenth of what you've got. Uh, But we say that in the New Testament, that's not a thing. That's not a requirement. In some ways, that's like the minimum guideline that you can start off with. Again, some won't be able to give a tenth because if you've got less, a tenth is way more and you might have less margin. But for others of us, actually, we aspire to give more. So Kate and I, we've always given a tenth of what we have to the church, which is crazy because we work for the church. But it's okay. We want to give as well. And that's part of our discipleship. But then we want to give another uh, 10% on top to the poor, to justice, to making a difference in the world. And then finally, it's predetermined. So again, Chaz talked about it going out of the bank account first thing. She also talked, which didn't get caught on camera. Well, it did get, but it didn't get into the final edit. She talked about actually being intentional and proactive about your giving so that it's not just something that happens automatically, but it's something that you actively engage with every month. And here's the invitation. The invitation is if you find yourself and feel yourself to be part of this community, we invite you to invest, to put your treasure where your heart wants to go to uh, invest not simply in worldly things, which are fine in and of themselves, but they're temporal, they're fleeting. But actually, to have the joy of putting money into God's kingdom, which has an eternal impact. So what we're going to do is this. You should see on your seat um, one of these cards. If you don't, then um, we've got some extras. You can just knit down in a second when we do this. But there should be a card and there should be a little um, pen. 
What I'd like you to do is I'd like you to just write a prayer on this piece of card. Now, again, in the morning service, we had some guys and they, written, they wrote a prayer which was saying, God, I have money worries. I have financial issues. Please, would you supply my need? But others, they wrote a prayer saying, God, I want to grow in the grace of giving. I want to develop as someone who is giving. I want to be one of those people with big eyes. His eyes are full of light. I don't want to be a person with an evil, stingy, ungenerous eye. Help me with my vision for giving. You might have your own prayer, but I just want you to take a little moment to think about it and to write a prayer. This is not something that I'm going to see. This is not for my benefit. This is something that I'm going to encourage you and invite you to take home with you. It's got the, the website um, URL on just if you want uh, a reminder, if that's something that you're going to set up. But really, this is something for you to pray because money worries, particularly in today's climate, they're huge. I don't want to minimize some of the challenges that many of us in this room are facing. But I want us to bring God into the conversation. So taking time to just write a prayer and asking that God would help use money to be part of your relationship that you build with your father. So let us pray and then we'll take a little bit more of a moment and then we'll get the band up. Father, I want to thank you that you give us this tremendous gift of being able to give to you. Lord, it seems incredible that we can give to the God who has everything, that you allow us to take the money that you've given us, God's money in our bank accounts, and give it back to you. And I pray, Lord God, I want to pray, Lord, for those that have money worries that are struggling right now. I want to ask that you'd release us from that bondage and that slavery to, to money where it controls so much of our um, peace and our thoughts. And I want to pray that we would experience your provision and your generosity to us. And Lord, I want to pray that we would be a church that's characterized by radical generosity. Lord, that we're able to give to the church, we're able to give to the poor, we're able to invest in the kingdom of heaven. Lord, I pray that we would see you again and again showing yourself as faithful and kind and good and generous to us. In the name of Jesus.